What are you doing with the privileges God has given you? Let's thoughtfully consider that today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Think for a moment about all the privileges we've been given today as believers in Christ. Too many to count, right? But with privilege comes responsibility. And today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will ask us, what are you doing with the privileges God has given you? Maybe like the people we'll read about in Romans 9, you haven't done much or really anything. Allow this time in the Word to stir and challenge your heart to be all that God wants you to be. I really do believe today this time in God's Word is going to stir you and it's going to challenge you because how are you answering the question, what am I doing with the privileges that God has given to me? What am I doing? Am I living for this world? Am I caught up in the things of the world? Do I not care? Am I willing to step out in faith? Am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to lay my life down on the altar? Am I willing to go back to that new believer zeal that I had when I first got saved? What's happened to us? Oh, Lotus, verse 34, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her. I mean, God sent messenger after messenger, prophet after prophet. Even Paul, he's walking around sharing the gospel. What's happening to him? He's getting stoned. He's getting thrown in prison. People are trying to kill him because he's just sharing the gospel. And he says, those of you that kill the prophets, stone those that are sent. How often, Jesus says, I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And just mark these five words. There's five words in the New King James. Mark them. And right next to him, Lord, don't let this be me. But his word to them was, but you were not willing. You were not willing. I'll tell you, unwillingness has sent more people to an eternity apart from Jesus Christ. It has sent more Christians to the sidelines. Unwillingness. I mean, in this day and age, we are so privileged. We can hear the Bible taught to us anytime from some of the best Bible teachers to ever walk the planet in our day and age. We could flip on the computer and listen to Bible studies. We could fill a billion gigabytes on an iPod with Bible studies. We have music that encourages us. We have CDs. We have tapes. We have books. We have the radio. We have television. We are a blessed people with the opportunity to receive the Word of God. We're in a church that teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, carefully, slowly, simply. We have so much of the Word, so now what are we doing with the privileges that God has given to us? What are we doing? Well, I'll tell you, often people are unwilling. They're unwilling. You'll have somebody come to you and they have a word for you. They want to share something with you, and instead of just receiving it, you reject it. I've seen more Christians lose friendships over being unwilling. Like a brother will come up to you and say, hey, bro, I just see this going on. Let's pray about it. And you go, hey, who are you, man? Don't tell me that. Who are you? You can't judge me, man. And like, hey, I'm just someone you let close enough, and I just want to share something with you. Oh, you know, forget you. And then you don't want to be around them anymore. And so you get rid of that friend, and God sends you another one. I mean, you're not killing people anymore. You're not stoning people, but you're pushing them out of your life because, well, what would happen if you're in the flesh? You just surround yourself with people that tell you what you want to hear. You don't hear the Word of God anymore. So I've seen Christians lose, I've seen Christians lose church families. 
Because in the family of God that they're in, God has brought to mention and brought to their mind what's going on in their life and called them to repentance and go, forget that. I I can't tell you how many times I'll have somebody on the other side of me. They'll be asking me a question. They'll come to me and say, Ed, what do you think about this? And And I'll open the Word of God and I'll share it with them. You know what they'll say? Who are you to tell me that? Who are you to judge me? You know what I say? You know what? I'm I'm nobody. I'm nobody. You ask me a question, I open the Bible to you. What do you want from me? You want me to lie to you? Did you want me to walk you down a path and say, oh, everything's fine, you just go ahead, you just keep doing that, you keep running in sin, you keep hurting people? I mean, unwillingness. Like what? You, you know what? You, you ask me a question, you want me to lie to you? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I pray you have people in your life who are going to tell you the truth. They're just going to say, hey, am I perfect in delivery? Oh, come on, of course not. And so are some of the brothers and sisters in your life, not perfect in delivery, but wouldn't it be just something to say, you know what, thanks for sharing that, I'll pray about it. Thanks for sharing. I mean, I... Boy, you're like the hundred person that shared it with me. I think God might be saying something to me, you know? But instead, you know, you say, hey, you know what? What you said hurt somebody. Well, you know, that's just that's how I am, okay? Well, what you said, it hurt four people. Well, you know, you know, that's just how I was raised, okay? You know, what you said, it really, it just, it crushed that lady. Well, you know, that's just how I am. What are you talking about? That's just how you are. And so we come with this bag of excuses, don't we? That God will send messengers to us. He'll reveal to us, you know, you were in the flood. You hurt somebody. What you did wasn't right. What you did, you know, how you said it, and we've got all these excuses, and I've taught my kids this, and I really want, I want to get it in their mind, I want to get it in my mind, in my mind and us as a congregation. Listen, if you get good at making excuses in your life, I mean, if you become really good, as every time somebody comes with you, you have an explanation, you have an excuse, you have a reason, if you get really good at making excuses, listen, that's all you'll be good for, is excuses and excuse after excuse after excuse, an unwillingness to receive, an unwillingness to, you know, I'll pray about that. That's, boy, that's a blind spot. I didn't see that. I didn't even know I did that. How many times, I I mean, I didn't even know. Thank you for telling me. I'll pray through it, and and it might hurt. I mean, it's not like it's going to feel good. It's not like you're going to rejoice. Yeah, I just got busted. It's not going to be that kind of thing you have a party. But you know what? When God brings his chastening hand, the fruit of chastening is so sweet and so wonderful. You grow as a Christian. You grow deep and then you grow wide. Don't be unwilling. Don't cop these attitudes. Who are you? Who are you to judge me? Man, you, you came to me. What are you talking about? Who am I? I'm the guy you came to. That's who I am that loves Jesus and loves you. And I'm going to tell you the truth every single time to the best of my ability. I'm going to pray through the scriptures with you. And so will the leaders here. So will the staff here. That's what you, so will me, but believers here, we're training you to do that. To take the word of God and use it in someone's life lovingly, carefully. You know, one of the things that un- unwillingness comes from, this lay, laying on the foundation of unbelief, is self-deception. Let me show you. Flip over to James chapter 1. James gives us a root of how we can self-deceive ourselves, especially in a time when we are incredibly blessed, where we can be deceived, self-deceived. And the question is, what are we doing with what we know? How are we with the privileges that God has given us? Are we self-deceived or are we walking in the truth? Look at James. I'll draw your attention to verse 19 of chapter 1. James says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Isn't that true? You know what the wrath of man is? It's like getting angry and flipping out and yelling and screaming. And Has that ever produced anything righteous in your life? Like flipping out, throwing things, whatever, whatever you do. Don't, don't throw things. Put it down. Just put it down, you know. 
You know, the wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God, doesn't even produce the righteousness in anybody else because they weren't mad until you got mad. Now they're mad with you, and now you're both fighting. You know, it's like, hey, what's going on? That's true. He says, listen, don't, don't be an angry person. Don't walk around all upset all the time. He says, verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. You receive the word over and over and over again. Now receive it. Then... Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So here's the deception. The deception is this. Hey, I was in, I was in Bible study today on Sunday. That's enough. I heard that Bible study on, on the radio. Ooh, I'm okay with the Lord. You know, thanks for that book. I read the book. Woohoo! I watched that show you asked me to watch. I read that material, but that's only half. Hearing is only half. James says, if you don't want to be self-deceived, do what you hear. Do it. Do it quickly. Do it immediately. When somebody gives you a book to read and God pricks your heart with something in that book, do it. When you hear something in a Bible study that you're listening to right now and you go, oh, that's stirring me up, do it. When God prompts you through his Holy Spirit to reach out, just do it. You get stirred to go on the mission field, do it. It's not enough just to hear. Well, I'm here. I'm here and I'm hearing. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing my duty. I'm in church. I'm here and I'm hearing. It's not enough. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about work, work, work to earn your salvation. If you've been with us in Romans, that's not what we're saying at all. We haven't been saved by good works. We've been saved for good works. So if you're just kind of a church connoisseur and you're just kind of coming in and coming out and not doing what you're here, what you're hearing, let me just tell you, according to God's word, you are self-deceived right now. Preaching isn't just to throw the word out and go, oh, you could just kind of take it or leave it. No, God wants you to take it and do it. Live out his life, yielding to his Holy Spirit. We don't want to be self-deceived. We don't want to be walking around just listening, hearers, 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 and never really doing it. I mean, I've got unbelievers, just like you do, up and down my street, knocking on doors, riding their 10 speeds through my street, giving out magazines, telling people a lie, trying to bring them to a false god, and they're doing all this energy and all this doing for what? A lie. And we as Christians, well, if we're not careful, we won't even do for a truth what people do for a lie. We'll get so caught up in everything else. We won't even try to be stretched or challenged. We'll resist it and we'll push away. You know, the Jews, they have to set an example for us to avoid. They were giving all these wonderful privileges and very, very, very few of them did anything with what God gave them. And we have to take this as a, as a warning to us that we as Christians, with all the privileges that we've been giving, that it wouldn't be said that very, very few of us do anything with what we've been given. And so to give you some things to chew on this week, to give you some things to respond to, I've got three questions I want to ask you as we head out. What are you doing with the privileges that God's given you? Let me give you three things to consider as we head out the door today. Things that I really hope stir you and challenge you. Things that I hope just bring to you a willingness with the time being so short. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Oh, Lord, may we be doers of the word. Number one, question number one, what am I doing with what I know? What am I doing with what I know? Again, you're in a church, teaches the Bible, Bible study, Bible knowledge is in abundance here. So many of you, I would consider you would know the word inside and out. You could go to different books. You can look up things. Some of you, you're in the beginning stages. You're learning the books of the Bible, but you want to learn. You want the knowledge. The Bible, well, the Bible calls us servants of Jesus Christ. And I believe there's an expectation to serve. I believe there's an expectation to work 
in such a way that we respond to the great grace and love of Jesus Christ. He doesn't save us to be idle, but he saved us to serve. That's what his word says. You know, each one of you have been created with a very unique purpose. Like, you're very unique. You're personal and unique. I can't fulfill God's will for your life. Only you can do that. God has a plan on your life. He has a hand on your life, on your kiddos. There is a plan being worked out. The personality, the, the, the way that you grew up, where you grew up, all these things God's going to use for you. You can't fulfill my, the plan that God has for me, and I can't fulfill your plan, but together we can find that we're walking out on what God wants to do in all of our lives individually. So what are we doing with what we know? Are we acting on it? I mean, I think the word would really come to do what you can with what you have where you are. Do something. Stop talking about what you can't do and just do something. Step out and do something for the Lord. Step out and reach out to a neighbor. Step out and help somebody at work. Step out in one of the ministries that are going on here at the church, but just do something for Jesus. Time is short. The Bible speaks of us seeking to gain our lives on this earth. He says, you know, Jesus said, you want to gain your life? You want to gain this world? You're going to lose everything. But you seek to lose yourself, yield yourself, you're going to gain everything. God's going to work it all out. You know, a principle of the kingdom of God is faithfulness. I'm sure you know that. Faithfulness. To be faithful with what you have. A principle that we see in God's kingdom is that God rewards those who are faithful where they are. And anyone that serves God, let me tell you, you know this already. The reward for faithfulness is what? More work. Not less work. It's more work. Remember the parable of the talents? The guy that had one, he only came back with one. It was taken away from him. Who was it given to? The guy that had all of them. Why? Because God looked at him and said, I can trust that one. You're just being faithful right where you're at. You know, I meet a lot of people as a pastor that say, you know, Ed, I got a call to the ministry. That's what I got a call to the pulpit. I'm, I want to preach the word. And then we'll say something like, well, you know, we got a need today. Why don't you go clean the parking lot for us? What? Did you hear me, Ed? I want to be a pastor. Great. Here's a broom. Go clean the parking lot. Ed, I didn't say I wanted to sweep. I said I want to preach, brother. And I said, take the broom. He says, you know, I'm not called to sweep. My answer will probably be something like, then maybe you're not called to pastor. Since when is a pastor above sweeping a parking lot? Where'd you get that notion from? Where'd you get the notion that God values some guy talking more than he has the heart of that guy talking? Where'd you get that from? Hopefully you didn't get it from us here at Calvary. We're going to teach you that God desires servants. And so while they have this little area that God's given them, they have their eyes way on this other thing. Like I talk to church planners a lot because that's how Marie and I moved out here to plant a church. And so I, I have the privilege of talking to church planners. And I'll tell you, there'll be times with church planners where they have like two people there in the service. You know, for some of you, you don't realize this, but there were times in the church life here where a couple people would show up to a Bible study. Just a couple, you know, just the Lord saying, okay, Ed, here's a couple. Are you going to teach them like you would teach anyone? And, and I had to work through those issues in my own heart so I can relate and I understand and so when a guy's planning a church, there might just be two people there, and one of them is his wife, right? And the neighbor that they invited. And while his mind is on the thousands, God's asking him, will you be faithful with these two? Right here, these two, your wife and your neighbor. Will you be faithful with them? Will you love them? Will you care for them? Because if you can't take care of two, I'm not bringing anyone else. And a pastor, a church planner has to realize that. I mean, all of us have to realize that, you know, if you're not faithful with the little things that God's given you, you're not, you're not going to be faithful well, you haven't proven yourself faithful with anything else. And what's been poured into us needs to be poured out. What God has given to us, we need to be found faithful. Number two, 
not only what am I doing with what I know, but the second question is, who am I serving? This is especially relevant to those of you that serve in this church or in any church. Who really am I serving? It's relevant at work with your unbelieving boss. It's relevant with anything in life, but who am I serving? You know, if I asked you today, some of you that are in ministry, who are you serving? Some of you might say, well, I'm serving you, Pastor Ed. I'm serving you. You're the pastor, so I'm serving you. And you know what I would say to you? No, you're not. You're not serving me. Who are we serving? Jesus Christ. We never, you know, for some of you, you've got to grasp this. You've got to understand this. If you miss this and you're serving in a capacity in the church or even at work, it doesn't matter where you're, you're going to be miserable and upset because people are going to wrong you. And if you think you're serving people and not serving Jesus Christ, you're going to get mad and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to be upset and you might get totally in the flesh. You don't serve Ed Taylor here. You serve Jesus Christ. You serve the living king who bought and paid for your life. You, you serve Jesus, I serve Jesus. Well, yeah, we do serve people. I mean, let's not get confused here. As we love Jesus Christ, God uses people to serve people. And so, yes, there is a place where I do have a position of oversight in this fellowship. God has entrusted to me the pastoral care of this flock. And so there are times where I'll be in your life as an overseer. And in an indirect sense, you will be serving me because I'll be asking you to do something. Or, or I might ask you to do something. I might ask you not to do something. And then you get upset. I remember years ago, I was at Calvary Chapel and just dealing with a decision that was made in the church, and I was so upset about it. I just went into one of the assistant pastor's office and said, you know, I just can't take it anymore, and such and such, and so and so. And he just let me go, let me go, let me go, let me talk, and Tom, out of breath. And he says, well, Ed, who are you serving? And I said, well, I don't know. I guess I don't know who I'm serving. He says, you're serving Jesus. And so Jesus allowed this in your life, right? Yeah. And then he asked me this. He says, is God bigger than your pastor? And I said, I don't know. I guess right now I don't think he is, but I guess he is, isn't he? You know how you get on the spot and you're like, oh, man. And I had to wrestle through the reality. Hey, you know, the people that are here in this fellowship on staff, I may be used to sign their paycheck, but I'm not paying them. God's paying them. They serve the Lord here. I'm not, I'm not the one that is overseeing and the one that has them connect, you know, like they're serving me and they have to make me happy. Please the Lord and serve the Lord. You see, if I can get this straight in my head and I can understand this, then when something that happens that I don't like or something happens that I don't get what I need from you or even you don't get what, I, what you need from me. This is really good when the enemy tries to sow seeds of discord, you know, with, um, oh, they didn't call me back soon enough, or, oh, they didn't answer my email, or, you know, they didn't do this for me, they didn't do that for me. But listen, even when man fails you, Jesus Christ will take good care of you. You realize that? He'll cover you. He'll put the right people in your life. And the kind of grace and patience that we extend to you, I would expect that you would extend to others as well. That, that you wouldn't be so quick to jump the gun and make a decision. Well, they don't care. How do you know they don't care? What if they lost the phone? I mean, couldn't a thousand things happen before they don't care? And just be open because we all serve the Lord. You know, I was thinking through this because I know that there's a skepticism today between churches and leaders. A lot of pastors have fallen into sin. A lot of pastors have made mistakes, serious sin, and a lot of people have gotten hurt. And what that's created in the church today, and I realize the environment that I'm serving in is, is that there's a skepticism between trusting pastors. I realize that. I mean, I don't want to try to earn your trust. I don't want to try to gain your trust. I just want to be who God's called me to be. And God will hook all that stuff up. 
But I realize there's a skepticism, even a cynicism between church peoples and people in church and pastors. I realize that it's difficult. But I'll tell you right now, from my heart to yours, when Marie and I and our kids moved out a thousand miles to Aurora, we didn't come here to try to see how much we could get out of you. You know, we don't have prayer meetings at home saying, okay, how can we squeeze the church from every last drop that they possibly have? Let's take advantage of them. Let's mess them up over here. And let's take this over here. And let's run. That's not on our hearts at all. That's not why we moved here. Let me tell you why we moved here. We moved here to see how much God could get out of me. That's what I want to see. I want to see how much God can possibly squeeze out of this guy that made absolutely no profit for the kingdom of God until he was saved. I want to be challenged. For me, it required a step of faith. It required leaving all our friends and family and saying, you know, I wasn't called around the world. I was called a thousand miles away. This is my mission field. This is what God's called me to do, to plant myself down and be used of God, whether it's two people in a Bible study or 2,000. I want to see, and I continue, I want to see what's God going to get out of me this week? What's God going to do in my life this week? You are not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. I exist to serve the body of Jesus Christ. That's why I breathe and that's why I live. Not just as a pastor, just as a Christian. I just want to be used for the kingdom. I want to make a difference for God's kingdom. I want to be used. I want to one day hopefully hear from my Savior, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm not here to get something out of you. I'm here to give. I want to give and I want to give more. I want the church of Jesus Christ under my care to be a spiritual church. I want spiritual people serving. I want spiritual people serving and leading and overseeing. I want the assistant pastors and those that are serving in lay leadership to be spiritual people, not for my sake, but for the kingdom of God's sake. You know, the Bible describes you as the precious bride of Jesus Christ. I want to keep my fingerprints off of his bride and watch God do a work. And you'll see as the Lord will continue to do a work among us, the faithfulness that he shows. There's one more question that Pastor Ed Taylor will draw from the text, and he'll share that in just a moment here on Abounding Grace. If you'd like to hear this message from Romans again, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.org. Abounding Grace is also available by podcast. Look for Abounding Grace on your favorite platform. And we also offer an app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. In Hebrews, we read that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to say faith is important would be an understatement. It's the key to a successful Christian life. But what is faith? Where does it come from and how does it work? What does it accomplish? Those questions and more are uncovered in a book we'd like to recommend to you by Chuck Smith. It's titled Faith. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of Faith. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with that. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Please also remember it's your financial support that helps us continue abounding grace on this station and many others like it. We're constantly hearing great reports of what God is doing in our listeners' lives, and your support helps to make that possible. So, thank you. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. All right, let's hear Pastor Ed's third and final question. There's one more question besides what am I doing with what I know and who am I serving? I mean, grab that who am I serving, guys. That's an important one. But how about this one, number three? Am I putting others first? (laughs) That's not easier said than done, is it not? 
Jot this down, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. I'll give it to you. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Right? You know what that looks like? It's a willingness to yield. Uh, you can try it right away on I-25 when somebody wants your lane. Give it to them. Say, Prof, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, take my lane, bro. You can have it, man. I'm not in that much of a hurry. And you're like, hey, yeah, that's asking a little bit too much. Can you knock it down a little bit? Hey, the attitude of our hearts is to be open vessels and thinking of others more than ourselves. Let me put it in a different context. Ministry that costs nothing. Listen, this is a keeper. This is something you want to go home with. Ministry that costs nothing almost always accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs nothing, it requires sacrifice to serve the Lord. A sacrifice. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be uncomfortable. Glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace when we'll continue our series in Romans. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.